It's been a long time coming. Talking about the return of Mike Matheny to Bush Stadium, not as a manager with the Royals. He made a couple of those trips. But Mike Matheny, since getting fired in the summer of 2018, uh, pretty disconnected from the franchise with, for obvious reasons, when you get let go. But when you start to look back about Matheny's connection to St. Louis, to the Cardinals, it runs pretty deep. Five years catching behind the plate. That 2000 to 2004 run, a lot of winning baseball, a lot of October moments, and then gets the managerial job really out of nowhere. And for the most part, it was a success. You think about winning in 2012, 2013, his second year, they're in the World Series. And people would argue he's handed a great team. And it was a team that had just won the World Series, but it was minus Albert Pujols, which is kind of a big piece. But, yeah, they had good teams that were, you know, good talent on the teams. And Matheny had a good run up until the end, got fired a couple of years in Kansas City. And I wanted to catch up with Mike because he's going to be back at Bush Stadium, part of an alumni weekend, looking back at the 2013 National League Champions and I'd not talked to Mike, I think, since he'd been fired by the Cardinals. A couple of texts here and there. So the Kill Coin conversation is with the former Cardinal and the former Cardinal manager. Mike Matheny talks about how he got the job out of nowhere, uh, his firing and how that became a question mark before he could be hired by the Royals. As a player, how tough LaRusso was on his catchers, how that could be frustrating for Mike, and the job of grooming a young Yadier Molina knowing he's going to take your job at some point. He's got some funny backstories on that and why he was living in St. Louis for so many years before he ever signed with the Cardinals. So Mike Matheny is our guest. An interesting, lengthy discussion about his career and all that that entails. Coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. This time of year, kids are just about out of school, still have some sports going on. And it's kind of a pain some nights to whip up dinner for the whole family. Order ahead. Get the meals to go. It's real easy. Pastahouse.com. Meals that will feed the entire family. Just check it out online. Order it. Pick it up. And you are good to go. And, of course, kids eat free on Sundays. Every kid with an adult eats free. That's a fun place to hang out. Ball game will be on. Pasta House. All the ingredients are fresh every single day. Marie DeVilla Senior Living, one of our great sponsors, corner of Clayton and Weidman Road. In fact, Mike Matheny gives a shout-out, unsolicited, to Mary Kay and Fred Wiesahan, the longtime owners at Marie DeVilla, part of the connection to Red Shandings. So uh, I did tell Fred, you got to listen to this Mike Matheny interview because he mentions you. Marie DeVilla Senior Living for all your retirement needs, whether it's a villa estate or assisted living, all levels of care, Beautiful spot in West County. Triad Bank, also a longtime sponsor of the Kilquent Conversation. Two locations, Frontenac, that's the one on Clayton Road. Also Olive, just west of 270, based in St. Louis since 2005. So what does that mean? Well, if you're trying to get something done, all the decisions are made right here in town. Truly is the neighborhood-friendly bank. Tired of the runaround or the rude behavior from the bank you've been going to for years? Hey, you deserve better. Check out our friends at Triad Bank. And appliance discounters, whether it's a washer, dryer, stove, or an entire new kitchen, appliance discounters will get you the biggest brand names at the lowest prices. They've been doing that now. Gosh, it's been about 15 years, maybe more. Theappliancediscounters.com is where you can find them online. 
theappliancediscounters.com. Their savings are your savings. And now, the KillCoin Conversation with Mike Matheny, which originally aired on the new program, the radio show, The KillCoin Conversation, which airs nightly on KTRS in St. Louis. If you're an out-of-town listener, you can download that app, the KTRS app, and listen to the program each night. The KillCoin Conversation right now with the former Cardinal, the four-time Gold Glove winner, the former manager in St. Louis and in Kansas City, Mike Matheny. And I got it's been a long time since I've seen or talked to Mike. I'm excited about this. I don't know if Mike shares that view, but this is great. It's great to catch up. <laughs> I'm excited too, Martin. Good to hear your voice. Uh, I, I want to ask you so many different things. Let's start with where you're living and where the family's situated these days. Yeah, we're um, we're full time snowbirds. You know, I married a St. Louis girl, so she never gave me a choice of where we were going to spend the first thirty years of life. We turned into uh, empty nesters, and she decided she was tired of the cold, and so uh, we've made we've made uh, West Palm really close to to uh, Jupiter. That'd be our that's our full time home. Um, two of our kids have somehow migrated to northwest arkansas and so they took three of those grandbabies with them and we're uh we're building a place in a lake to spend the summers down there to be close to, to part of our family and full disclosure before we started you were telling me you're you're going to help build right so you are actually i can see you being handy i can see you owning a tool like i don't own a tool belt that's going to surprise you but what how handy are you how much can you build or um i've done uh, a little bit of everything uh, We've um, built our own um, farmhouse before. Uh, I've done furniture and cabinetry. and um, So I'll be uh, finishing a, a few of the rooms while the real professionals are on site doing their thing. When I screw things up, they're not too far away where they can come bail me out. So you mentioned your wife and people that don't know. I mean, you played here five years. You managed six and a half years. That's a long time in St. Louis. I remember when they signed you, we came out to your house by Whitmore, and I think Joe Buck even said, well, he lives here. He's always lived here. I'm like, what? Like, when you signed with the Cardinals, you were already here, correct? Yeah, uh, right out of college. So Kristen and I met at the University of Michigan. She's a St. Joe's girl. And uh, we were spending the offseason, and, and really not a lot of time. As soon as we got married, uh, they sent me to the Dominican Republic for winter ball. But whenever I would come home for a short period of time, home was in St. Louis, our our, uh, my in-laws are great people. Uh, Dick Shaper, who many people know in the golf circuit in the St. Louis area, um, they kind of put us up. They had a place for us to stay whenever we weren't in winter ball or during the season. But even for the nine year, years I was with Milwaukee, uh, the off-seasons were in St. Louis. And you know what? I was released twice. I was released by the Brewers after being their everyday guy. Um, went over to Toronto for a year, backed up, got released again. I thought my career was over before that 2000 spring training when Tony invited me in as a non-roster invitee to back up Eli Marrero and uh, made the team out of spring and uh, next thing you know I had a whole new career start. And think about that stretch when I mentioned those years 2000 to 2004 that's a lot of winning that's a lot of October baseball and that was a, a great time to be here Albert arrives they in fact the year you got here they added Daryl Kyle they got Jim Edmonds I'm probably forgetting somebody Vina came in at some point in there I mean that that was a heck of a time to be playing for the Cardinals. As uh, you know, there there was always the winning tradition here. Uh, the team really hadn't been in the postseason, I don't think, since '96. 
And uh, it, but it was interesting. The first day we walked in, it wasn't uh, if we're going to win. It's okay. It's time to start winning, and that's what we did. We had the one year out of those uh, five that we didn't make it to the postseason, um, but everything else was us figuring out ways to, to dominate a very tough central. And it was a it was a great time to be a part of kind of seeing uh, yeah the introduction of Albert watching day one of, of a career that's just not probably going to happen again, and uh, to be able to be a part of so many, what, what I just felt was uh, such a monumental time, too, because it, we still had Mr. Musial around, and he was he was around. Uh, and, and, of course, Red and, and Lou and, you know, so many of that generation that, that now we've lost with uh, Gibby and, and Bruce and, and just uh, incredible history. And that was the one thing that stood out to me the first day I came into that clubhouse, uh, the tradition and the expectation, and our legends were there. And what they wanted to do, they wanted to pass on what they'd been taught. And the expectation, the high uh, level of uh, this is what it looks like to be a Cardinal. And there is a Cardinal way. Mr. George Kissel in the, in the dugout with us just reminding us of how we should go about our business and to teach the game. And it forever changed the way that I, I looked at the game of baseball and being able to experience winning, being able to experience World Series. Uh, just uh, all those things as a kid you dream of. You ever get sideways with Tony? I'm thinking you're one of the guys who probably didn't. Like everybody that comes on the show has got a story, and Matt Holiday tells the story where Tony like turned over the food table, like all these crazy stories. But I'm like, I don't, I don't remember you and him butting heads. Uh, he was extremely hard to catch for, and that's the only thing. Everybody wanted to give me way too much credit for developing Yachty. Uh, the only thing I did for Yachty was really uh, teach him how to play for Tony and what the expectations were and what things – and I learned the hard way because I didn't have anybody teaching me. But uh, he, he put a lot on his catchers, and but he taught his catchers a lot. The, the combination of Tony LaRusso and Dave Duncan, I don't know if you could ever ask for a better teaching environment, learning environment, two just uh, masters of the game and understood it at such a deep level. But held us to a high expectation and always and, – and I loved it. It was part of the position. When things went sideways, it was the catcher's fault. And so we had plenty of go-arounds. Uh, he would still say to this day that he felt that um, I was better when he could make me mad, so he tried and he <laughs> succeeded. Um, so, But, you know, I, I, was always, uh, I was always raised in that environment of a yes, sir, can I have another kind of uh, environment. So just kind of did what I needed to do. I, I was also, Martin, I was one of those players, as you went through that whole, I mean, I look at that 0-4 team, it was just a bunch of, future Hall of Famers and All-Stars. And I was just, I was in the right place at the right time. I fit in really well uh, because I loved my pitchers. When another guy that came in of that group in 2000 was Pat Henkin, who was really a big part of me coming over and then bringing over Chris Carpenter. And, you know, just that whole group that I was able to kind of um, figure out how to help. And it was a perfect fit for a defensive-minded catcher. I remember when they signed Chris Carpenter, Walt told us, well, he won't be able to pitch for a year. And I'm sure people like me probably said something sarcastic, like, well, what's the point of that? That might have been one of your greatest contributions. Was you, you kind of, didn't you help lure him a little bit or at least convince Walt and Tony, hey, this guy's worth waiting for? You know, it was, it was so impressive, Martin, when I was in Toronto watching Pat Henkin. Uh, he, he and Daryl Kyle taught me what it looked like to be an ace of a staff. And Pat was a former Cy Young winner. And, he didn't go anywhere without a young Chris Carpenter and Roy Halladay on his heels. And he made them go to lunch with him. He sat them next to him on the bench. And so Pat and I and uh, Daryl were all putting the full, full force 
push to get Carp. Uh, Carp was just, and everybody saw here, I don't need to explain to him, but at the time, nobody understood how special of a competitor this guy was and a special talent. And he, uh, he exceeded what I thought he would do as far as how you go about leading a staff, um, taking what Pat and what Daryl had taught, and, and then uh, taking it even to another level. Just uh, the way he went about his business on a day-in, day-out situation, it was something that I've kind of held our pitchers uh, ever since any pitcher that I've worked with, like here's what it looks like, and it's a it's it's a lot to live up to, but when you do, you're maximizing what you got. The former Cardinal Mike Matheny, our guest. I don't want to gloss over the fact you and Red. We mentioned all the great legends, but I feel like you and Red Shandings were particularly close, hunting, fishing, and whatnot. And Mike Shannon would always say, "Red's about the best damn fisherman you'll find in your life, best outdoorsman." And you experienced that a lot, didn't you? And Red spent a lot of time outdoors. We did, and yeah, man, I miss uh, miss Mike, and uh, got to got to do some hunting and fishing with Mike as well. But uh, I I can't tell you how many times I'm sitting in a duck blind, and uh, and I had to kind of keep pinching myself, like, you know, what would somebody give to be sitting in the outdoors with with Red Shandies right now? And and then he just one story right after another, and after years, it still seems like he was coming up to ones I'd never heard of before. And, and even when they were repeats, they were better the next time. It was just a, a special, special man to have uh, the ability that he had as a player and then the humility to be as good of a coach as he was and realize how hard the game was. He had that rare mix. It, you know, a lot of times the the greats um, aren't great teachers because everything was just it just came easy to them. It was something that they naturally did. Uh, but Red was able to do both, uh, be a Hall of Fame caliber player, but also just a first-class coach. But to me, it was all about him as a person. And um fortunate, you know, uh, Fred and Mary Kay, uh, Weezahan, um, where Red was living right at the end, they called and allowed me to spend a little time with Red right before he passed. And that's uh, some of my greatest memories of uh, being around a man that I believe is just a legend and an icon. Would would Shannon ever talk strategy? I'm talking now when you're managing, because when Mike died, I had Tony Larusa on, and he said Shannon would come down and argue with him after the games. They'd close the door, and he was always mad that they were swinging at the first pitch, and he thought it was a terrible strategy. And would would Shannon talk strategy with you? Do you ever close the door? Listen, this kid can't play. Did you ever? Did you ever get on the receiving end of some Mike's wisdom? be impossible for Mike not to pass on his wisdom. Uh, he, when he had an idea, you're going to hear about it. And so, and I always took it to heart. And and yeah, I don't I don't think he really cared about the timing of it sometimes on the delivery. And uh, but you know we had the, we were fortunate. We did uh, so many pregames together and uh, spent a lot of time. And it was always something that I learned from. Mike had an incredible baseball mind. It was always very good to me. Uh, you mentioned Yadier Molina. We all know the story. He comes along and you help him. You end up signing a deal with the Giants after 04. Was there ever a time? Was it ever awkward? Like, hey, I'm basically training this guy to take my job. I mean, it was was tell us about that relationship because I don't think everybody can kind of uh, maybe they wouldn't feel the same way. Like, I'm helping him, but he's going to eventually be the guy. Yeah, you know, the the kind of player I was, there was always somebody up and coming that was going to be the guy that's going to take my job. Even when I was in Milwaukee, uh, we'd make high draft pick and They'd come in and they'd come to spring training and, and I'd watch them a little bit, watch them go about their business and I'd go back to Kristen and I'd tell her, you know what, this isn't the guy. He's not, he's not going to take my job. Did that for a while. And, um, and even when I first got to St. Louis, you know, just trying to stay kind of in the game and evaluating the guys that are on the, on the way. And, uh, Dave, Mr. Dave Ricketts, who I'll always be 
uh, indebted to uh, just an incredible teacher once again. Just you start talking about the legends of the game, uh, Dave Ricketts needs to be in that conversation as a Cardinal. And he took me, he goes, Hey, I want you to see a kid back here play. And uh, of course, I knew the Molina name through his brothers and went on the backfield. And I watched him for a couple innings and I went back and uh, I told Kristen, I said, I think I saw the kid's going to take my job. <laughs> and it uh, wasn't too long down the road that uh, I get hurt in 04. And uh, Tony was mad at me. We were in Pittsburgh and I, you know, I pulled an oblique and I've been able to play through a lot. Uh, but that one I knew I, I wasn't going to be able to make it through. And I go back behind the, the dugout and I'm throwing stuff all over the place, and which is probably aggravating that injury more. And that's why Tony came back and goes, what are you doing? And what I didn't tell him at the time is I knew what I just did. Is I let this kid in. And I knew once he got in, there wasn't going to be any turning back. And we ended up finishing, having a great season in 04, but uh, I knew where the organi- organization needed to go. Uh, it was time for him. And uh, obviously he's going to go down as one of the greatest as ever donned the tools of intelligence as a player is there a favorite cardinal moment or memory i mean it, there's so many october moments for this franchise even oh one that was a great team it was a great series even though it was the first round with arizona some of the great pitching matchups that we saw are there any one moments that games that stick out more than the others um just like in my major league career day number one getting there and uh, beating the odds and making it to the major leagues is always going to be my number one um, favorite memory because there's a whole lot of people and a whole lot of reasons to say I'd never get there and I'd say the same thing day one in Bush Stadium in 2000 it was an unbelievably beautiful day Um, and this was St. Louis was my hometown wasn't born there but I'd I'd lived there for a long time and to be able to play in that town with that history and and all of uh, going through those opening day, uh, the, the, all the legends out front and the Clydesdales. I mean, this was a it was a big big deal. That, that day will always stand out. And uh, we got off to a really good start. And then uh, you know I actually been working my whole life to stay in the game. And then I, I wanted to get to the playoffs. And right before the playoffs, I uh, had a uh, had an issue with a knife that uh, didn't allow me to play. And so that next year and. N01 was uh, very special for understanding to what it felt like to be a part of a postseason team. So those sort of things, playing in the World Series, um, it's what you grow up. As soon as you grab a wiffle ball bat when you're a kid, you're dreaming and you're talking about this is game five, game seven. Um, we're in the World Series and you got all the pressure. You're in the brightest lights. You know, those are things that you dream of from day one and something that um, lived up. Absolutely, uh, to all the hype and the expectation. Well, the infamous knife. We still blame Will Clark for that, the gift late in the year. What, and, and that's, of course, the year Ann Keel has his struggles. Did you ever talk to him about that? He's written a book. He's great now. He talks about everything that went on in his life. Uh, did you feel bad at the time because you couldn't catch during that October? Yeah, I, 100%. And I put a lot of that on my own shoulders before anybody else did. And I uh, was able to help Rick navigate a lot uh, through that season. And to watch that happen on that on that uh, scene and, and then that setting in the postseason, it was felt so helpless as I'm sitting over there in a cast on the on the bench in New York. Um, but you know, I'm really proud of Rick, and the book was real and raw and honest. And uh, I believe he's just handled it like a man. How he's moving forward in life, and just a, always been a big fan. He's an overcomer, uh, an incredible talent, and has been a good friend. Has been uh, fun to watch how he's been able to develop through all of it. 
And you're going to be back at Bush Stadium this week. Have you been back? Other than with the Royals, I don't think. Is this your first official as a Cardinal alumni event? I, I think it is, yeah. I, I got the invite from uh, from Larry State and Joe Pfeiffer, and it was an invite back into the family. So, like, like who kicks you out of a family? But I guess that kind of has to happen in our game. But, um, <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this will be the first one back on um, friendly terms. You know, that was, there was a lot of animosity over on the other side of the state and, uh, in royal blue country in Kansas City. And so it's a bigger deal uh, for them than I, I think it, people in St. Louis realize. And uh, so we came in there wanting to, wanting to play really well. Um, it, was, it was nice. I enjoyed my time over there. Um, unfortunately, most of the people over on that side of the state could never see me but anything but red. And uh, so I, I'm happy to, uh, to consider myself uh, – a Cardinal alumni and uh, looking forward to seeing what that brings in the future. Well, you can appreciate the great Joe Torrey line opening day. He's got a red jacket and I'm interviewing him about, you know, coming back. The crowd loves seeing the old timers. And he said, well, this is the same franchise that traded me and then later fired me. He said, yet I keep getting invited back. <laughs> I said, well, uh, and you're not too far off from that, but it's, I'm, I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to hear it, that you'll be around and, did it just need a little time to pass? I'm sure when things went down in the summer of 2018, you weren't real happy about this city or that franchise. Does time kind of heal that wound? You know, um, Whitey was always a, a great mentor for me. And uh, we sat down, I think, the day after I got the job. And uh, he said, you just need to prepare yourself. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little harder for you because this is your home. He said, but you're going to have one or two things happen. You're either uh, going to die on the job or you're going to get fired. <laughs> I said, well, well, thanks for the, the welcome, Whitey. And, but he's so, he's so right. And we, I knew that going in. I, a lot like knowing when I first saw Yachty that, you know what, my days are numbered here as a, as a, a, a catcher. Um, I would have loved to have been able to keep winning uh, and then make it really easy to just make a, a long stay uh, managing the St. Louis Cardinals. It was something that... One of those things that I'd never even dreamt of, right? I always dreamt of playing and playing in the World Series, but coaching, managing, that's, that's never in necessarily in the kids, just in their atmosphere. But once I started managing, I realized, and this is going to sound whacked out to most people, but um, I enjoyed managing more than I even enjoyed playing. And I, it sounds stupid when I say it, but it's true. And I just found that's kind of how I'm wired. So it was a, such an enjoyable time and be able to, to do that where my kids were at the age to where they could watch and listen. And yeah, there was uh, there was some bite to it, but that's expected. That's, and if you can't handle that, you should never put your, your name in the hat because that's just part of the gig. There's high expectation and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Um, put that on myself. When we went to Kansas city, they were telling us that, you know, we got a young team. I can't do anything except, uh, tell our guys that I believe in the human spirit and I believe that, that people can overcome and, and achieve things that no one else thinks that they can. We're going to win. And when you do, when you do make those statements and you do set that level of expectation and you don't win, um, you're probably not going to be around real long. But you can look yourself in the mirror and realize that you left nothing on the table. Uh, you, you went about your business the right way. Um, you represented the organization in a way that you said you would. And, uh, and, and you're, for me, my faith and my family the same way. And it was a great experience, uh, regardless of the fact that I was fired. It was a, it was a great run and something I'll always treasure. Well, and you had – every manager is going to get a bit of a honeymoon, but you had an extended one because you guys won in 2012. You get to the NLCS with a wild card, crazy one of the crazier games, and then a 
crazy comeback to beat the Nats in a Game 5. 2013, you're in the World Series. 2014, you're back to the NLCS. Because you did a lot of winning early, I think you had an extended honeymoon. But when people became critical, was it harder to take because you had had some success? Or And I always wonder, too, with your kids, is it harder when your kids are of an age, they're on social media, or they hear what people are saying, or they're reading? I wondered about that dynamic, too. You know, they... Um they were really good. Most, you know, all five uh, collegiate athletes, and so they kind of got it. They understand that that's part of the business, and and they've heard it before, aimed at other people. I think it's it certainly um, when it's somebody that you care about. I think it was very hard for them and my wife um, to the point of you know they're trying to go to games, and it, it was hard for them when they knew that there was a lot of heat coming. Um, but once again, you know, we had so many benefits uh, that that's part of the risk. It's it's a risk reward position. And the reward is just so many opportunities, yes, to win games, but to jump in and, and help guys navigate. I think about all the different players who walked through those doors and, and were entrusted into my care and the care of that coaching staff to help them develop as players, help them develop as men as well. And, and what an honor. And it, it, was a, it was a great ride. And you just realize that uh, that's, that's part of the position is that it, it's a public position. And, it's one that is going to probably get more credit than it deserves when things go well and probably get a little more heat than maybe what's deserved. Um, but it's what you sign up for. And once again, it, it was uh, it was a great ride for a lot longer than I think anybody expected. You know, I had a lot of people tell me right when we took the job, man, you're kind of set up in a, in a no-win situation and you're set up for failure. Just think about it. We just lost a Hall of Fame manager. Mind you, it was a team that just won the World Series, lost a Hall of Fame manager, a Hall of Fame caliber pitching coach, um, and and then one of the greatest players for a 10-year span in the history of the game are all walking out the door, and you give the keys over to a guy who's been coaching 10-year-olds. So it, it's uh, it was something that you know we had a pitching coach who'd never been pitching coach before, a manager who'd never managed, and a bench coach who'd never been a major league bench coach, and somehow we were able to navigate and, and uh, come out not just okay, uh, where we were playing in the postseason, a chance to bring home the big trophy. Came up a little short, um, but we're honoring the 2013 team this year and really proud of those guys and what they were able to overcome and get us that National League pennant because that was a very special year. Beat Kershaw twice in the NLCS. The next year, Matt Adams. Big City takes Kershaw deep. It's unbelievable. All these different October moments in their own singular moment in some towns would be games they talk about forever, there's so many of them in the last 20 years that they're all sort of lumped together uh, with Cardinal fans. How And to take us back, when you got the job, they had a number of candidates. How did you get the job? Were you surprised you got it? And I know, I feel like you and I had talked at golf tournaments. You said, listen, I might want to get into managing, but i gotta, I got to get going if I'm going to do it. How did it happen? How did it come about? Well, it was, uh, it was interesting how it all transpired. I was actually uh, on ESPN Live doing um they called me in to to pass or hand out the uh the awards for the pitchers and the catchers so i announced yadi is the winner of the gold glove and as i'm sitting on stage um while i'm right standing right next to carl ravage my uh, phone in my back pocket starts to vibrate and as i'm speaking i'm just thinking man i'm glad i turned my ringer off um and i'm thinking who who's, who's possibly calling me around nobody calls me they text so anyway, I get off set, and uh, the next guy goes up to do his presentation, and I look, and it was from uh, the, it was John Moselak, and he followed up with a text and said, I need you in my office on Friday. 
um, and this was a Wednesday. He said, I need you in the office on Friday to interview for the manager's job. So I, first thing, I, I think somebody stole Mo's phone and <laughs> messing with me because we'd had zero conversations about this. So um, reply, and then all of a sudden it became two and a half days of just a, a cram session. So I got a hold of my guys, guys that I consider my personal board of advisors, um, incredible friends, experienced guys that just kind of been walking through life and they kind of got me ready for an interview and I, I went walking into that that interview with Mr. DeWitt, Mike Gersh and uh, Mo and uh, man I just I was so honored that they would even consider and I don't think they truly had any desire to hire me um, but I think it just went really well and um, I, I'm just very grateful for the for the opportunity to walk in there and walked out thinking I, you know, that went better than I thought it would and kind of then wondering what's my path going to be you know, if I do not get this job, is this something that I'm going to keep chasing? And uh, next thing you know, we're actually, I'm in the Dominican Republic. And uh, I have a group of who are then 12-year-olds that we took over there doing a trip where they're doing community service uh, in the morning, doing a feeding center in the afternoon. And in the evening, we were getting our tails kicked by some of the local Dominican kids. And uh, just a great, priceless, life-changing trip. And um, about the last leg of that trip, we are with Albert and, and Didi at the time uh, at uh, Bate Aleman and the DR, and we're competing against a group of kids where Albert and the, the foundation, Pools Family Foundation, built some fields and just rejuvenated this little Bate, uh, this little city. And so uh, while we were there, after the game, I get a call and I excuse myself, and everybody's eyes turned to me. Albert had just walked out because he was on his way to Miami where they were courting him before uh, the L.A. got their hands on him. And um, I was behind a, a little shack when Mo told me that uh, I just was selected as the next manager for the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Six and a half years later, all those trips to the postseason. Uh, as you look back, anything you would do differently? I know you're a very positive, upbeat guy. Or Any regrets at all? You know, the things, and I got the, those questions a lot, Martin. Um, if there was something that needed to be changed, I wasn't going to wait until after the end of the season or after the end of a career to change them. It was constant. What, what are we doing? What needs to change? Uh, tried to have as many people finding each other's and my blind spots to help us try to adjust along the way. You know, I, I guess when uh, I interviewed for Kansas City, one of the first questions uh, the owner, Mr. John Sherman, wanted to know, what happened over there? And I said, first of all, we, we, we just weren't winning. We were going to, and I truly felt – uh, had we been able to stick it out, um, but I understand how the game goes, and it was it was time. They wanted a new voice, and Mike Schilt came in, and, and they did a great job. But we weren't winning enough. I also think that you know I had a, an approach with media um, to where I, I was scared to death to make a mistake, Martin. And every team, every time I got in front of a a camera or a microphone, um, it was more about do no harm. And with that, you don't have one the ability to really um, let your personality shine, and, and it's not a personality popularity contest, but there's also, there was an edge because I was always on edge. I, I was constantly in fear that something that I was about to say is going to hurt somebody that that's trusting me, and and what can I do right now to protect my players? And to a point uh, where I, I, I believe it had an edge, and I think over time, you get better. Uh, I would say I, I had a better relationship with the media in Kansas City, um, just because I had more experience and I was able to kind of probably do a little bit of both. Um, besides that, you know, we've been knocked, and I think 
former players are constantly going to be knocked to whether or not they're very uh, analytically based. I can honestly say that there's zero regrets with that. Work so closely with our analytics people. Tell us what we don't know. Help us understand where the game's going and let it, let us, let's get ahead of what's next. Um, so those are some things that I believe. And then just you know, handling situations. The truth be told about that position, Martin, is it's, it's 10% baseball. And I've been fortunate that now I'm spending some time um, just trying to encourage some coaches, different levels, and, yes, yeah, some major league guys. But they see it, the game is it, the position of a manager in major league baseball. It's 10% baseball and it's 90% people on handling issues. Not, not much unlike most of the other businesses out there. Um, but that 10% that you get to dive in and you're helping some of the best in the world, it's just uh, it's one of the best jobs anybody could have. You know, Joe Goldberg, friend of mine in Kansas City, you get the job, and after a few months I said, hey, how's Matheny doing? How's there? And you and I got along fine here. I'm, I'm sure I said something sarcastic along the way, but I wasn't down there every day. Um, I think I even talked to you one October after one of the season-ending kind of pressers, you know, everything I said. I think if you could just, you know, give a little more or relax, we're not out to get you. You and I had a conversation in the hallway, and you said – I don't want anything to get back to my players that will, you know, undo kind of the work we're doing as a team. And I understood that. But Joel said, I've never dealt with anybody. And he used to get nuked by Tony all the time back in the day. But And, and he liked Ned Yost a lot, but he said, Mike is outstanding. So it was obvious to me, whatever you wanted to tweak or change, you did when you got to Kansas City. And then similarly, like Ollie's new to the job, right, last year. And I thought, he's really candid. Like he'll kind of – He'll say something really blunt about a player, and I thought, this is great. It's like what the media wants, but then it doesn't always sit well. They had this thing with Contreras recently, and I'm like, maybe they're almost – this is hypocritical for me, but I was like, maybe they're almost too honest sometimes. Like, like you almost can't win because if you give up too much, then the room can be mad at you. If you don't give up anything, then the media is mad at you. I, I could see where that would be a tough spot. Yeah, and there's no uh, perfect answer for that, I don't think. I think in the end you try and be yourself. And I think that's where I'd have a lot of pushback, even from that, that tight group of friends that I have. Uh, they were always on me like, man, no one even really knows your personality. And and I kept telling them, you, really, when I, I made this decision and this commitment the day I got the job, because I I believe it's a God thing, Martin, and that not everybody's going to get that, but that's just my perspective. It just made no sense that I got that job and to be able to stick it out as long as we did. And I was just, it was a gift. And I wanted to make sure, and I, and I made the people around me that were closest to me promise, don't, don't let me waste this one on it being me. And, and any time that I'm out there trying to build me up and trying to win over favor, somebody call me out because that's the last thing I want to do with this. And, you know, I, I think when you make that uh, your perspective or, or that's your priority is that it's just it's going to be about my people. Um, there's a way to go about this to try and cover your butt all the time and, and try and win public favor. And um, it probably, in the long run, may end up allowing you to stick in a little longer. Um, but to thine own self be true, right? And uh, I just wanted to go about the way that I should, I felt I should, and without the regret of doing it just to cover my own butt. Um, if, I, if, I, if it didn't last, and you know what? I, I, I stuck my nose in there, and I fought as hard as I could, tried to do the right thing, tried to treat people the right way, and not try to make it about me, and then it's going gonna, it's gonna to play out how it's going to play out, and, and I'm okay with that. And I can tell you, um, I tried to get better every day, tried to learn, not that I had it all figured out, this is how I'm going to do it, I'm done. No, I, I was always adapting and adjusting. Um, just like I know Ollie is, and 
you know, he, he but he he get he got criticized not long ago, and I don't follow every game, but I heard him say we just got to stay the course, and he got beat up about that. But there's so much truth. Stay the course to the to the right things, to the preparation, to to the commitment, to the work, to the commitment to how you compete for for every single out. Uh, you stay the course with those things, and, and then the the rest of it will kind of take care of itself. So it's um yeah, it it can uh, sometimes just be a situation where you're, you're going to get shot one way or the other. It's just whether or not it's fatal. Final thought, because you got a house to build down there. Uh, what are you most proud of? I'll end on a positive. Looking back at that run as manager, uh, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, postseason teams. How about for you? Anything stick out more than the other? Well, I'm going to go back to a game, that, and I believe the game kind of personified um, what, I, what I thought was, was the experience there, and it was that game uh, in Washington that you touched on, and we're down six to nothing early with our ace Adam. Um, he, he just got he just got hit that day, but I'll never forget how he came back out there, and he was the number one cheerleader in that that team. Down six to nothing, the first time that the Nationals were about to go into the into the next level of the postseason, and it was loud and rowdy, and those guys just fought, man. And that's that's what I was proud of. I believe our teams had grit. I believe that team, every team that we had, because um, it's a high calling, Martin, when you think about taking on um, what has always been the consistency and the expectation of being a St. Louis Cardinal. There's a lot that goes with that, and it's not just wins. It's how you go about it. And I believe that, that our teams always competed well. And I believe, um, you know, we had issues. Um, there's people involved, and I'm one of them. And uh, we're all likely to do things that uh, that, that that are mistakes. And uh, I believe, in general, we were able to navigate and and help our guys grow into the kind of professionals that that represent the birds on the bat um, and represent them as as young men trying to grow and develop. So those are the things. It's, it's always going to be the relationships, but the relationships plus the fact that I believe our team went out and and displayed the kind of baseball. Um, Display the kind of professionalism that uh, this this city, the city of St. Louis, was proud of. Mike, great to catch up. Uh, glad to have you coming back to town. Have fun down at Bush. I appreciate it, Martin. Thank you. Take care. I really felt like Mike was an open book there about his career, everything that went into it, the exit from St. Louis. And I think if we called him two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, he wasn't probably in the, in the mood to talk about all these different topics. But it sounds like his life is going well now. He's an empty nester. So he and Kristen are living in Florida and Arkansas, splitting time. And he'll be at Bush Stadium this weekend. And I, I think at the end, the criticism was fair that the team wasn't performing at a certain level. And I think he knows that now. But I did think it was interesting. He brought up analytics, which I think a lot of people said, this guy, yeah, former player, he didn't care about analytics. He tried to make it very clear that that was something he, he fully embraced. So thanks to Mike for hopping on the show. And again, this aired originally on the KTRS Nightly Show, which is the Kilcoin Conversation. You can check us out Monday through Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. on the Big 550 in St. Louis. We are brought to you by our friends at Triad Bank, Marie Davila Senior Living, Appliance Discounters. We hope you support the sponsor. So if you're in the market for a new bank, maybe you didn't think you were in the market for a new bank, but you start thinking about how rude they are or how hard it is to get things done, especially for our business owners. Try to get things done in town. Talk to the folks that are based right here in St. Louis. That would be Triad Bank. 
And Marie DeVillet, Senior Living, beautiful campus in West County. Could be for your parents, maybe your aunt and uncle, grandparents. Starting to think about senior living. They have all these different levels. The Villa Estates, that's where Red Shandings lived all those years. You basically have your own house, but you're on the campus there. And you have access to all of the facilities, all of the amenities, all the great food. So check it out at mariedevilla.com. Appliance discounters, great service team. In addition to the low prices on appliances, my guy Sean has been out, fixed the dishwasher, the refrigerator. I'm trying to think what he hasn't fixed at our house. He can do it all. So call them for your next service repair and also all your appliance needs. One spot, theappliancediscounters.com. And Triad Bank, longtime sponsor of all the Killcoin podcasts, Going back to talk with Tony LaRusso. That was about four years ago we started doing those. Pucks with Bernie and Panger. They've been through us, been with us through it all from day one. Triad Bank, great neighborhood-friendly bank business owners. If you're frustrated with your bank, talk to the lenders at Triad Bank. Find them on Clayton Road in Frontenac or on Olive Road just west of 270. Thanks for tuning in to the Kill Coin Conversation.